Welcome to Afterlives with Kara Cooney, in which we discuss ancient Egyptian history and relevant current events that we think will be of interest to our audience. I am Kara Cooney, and I'm a professor of Egyptology at UCLA. This podcast is separate from my teaching and research roles at UCLA. In recent years, I've become active in communicating with the general public about the history of ancient Egypt through lectures, interviews, social media, books, and guest appearances. This podcast is my opportunity to take the kinds of deep dives into history that are not always possible in academic formats. And we're back. Um, so for the second half, which I now think this will be a, a two-parter, um, we're going to talk about true crime, which is my favorite topic. love of life. I don't, I don't watch these things because I can't experience them fictionally. I don't know why I like it. I, but I read like, some things, but I can only read so much. Like I watched- um, Sometimes I can't I mean, read it. I, I read Away, what is it called, Amber? Away in, I'll, I'll Be, be gone, gone in the Dark, dark about the gone. Golden State Killer. Yes. And then I couldn't have my windows open in the house for like a year. So that's not helpful. See, to me, I'm like prepared. Like I have like, I know every possible option. We watch like shows, you know, and I figure stuff out before they happen. That's like, my mother. So ready. It's my mother. She's like, that's the person who yeah. murdered them. Oh, I, can, like, I okay. just know. I'm like, that's, he's at it. It's always the most medium expected. Medium it's not the one expected. you most like definitely expect. It's not the least expected. It's the. And what, and what article did I just send you? I sent you an article. Well, oh, you have it there? <laughs> From really? From the Atlantic. From the, oh, is it the Atlantic? It's so it's the Atlantic article about, you know, are there actually way more serial killers than we, than we think? Um, and they're getting away with murder literally because technology allows them to do all kinds of things and to stay hidden in a way that they couldn't in the seventies or whatever. That, and just having watched a lot of, listened and watched a lot of true crime stuff, a lot of times the, you know, police mess up. And a lot of times, lot no of time. joke, you're kidding. And of course, instead of reading the article, cause I can't handle it. I just sent it to Jordan. I'm like, it's for you. Yeah. And so that's what we're going to talk about. <laughs> But ancient Egyptian style. Yes. So but, so, but first, so like, you know, there's a conception or notion that serial killers, murders, all these things are, well, not murders, but serial killers are a modern phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Um, one, do you have any thoughts on this? Do you think this is true? Why do you think this is? I have personal thoughts that I think it's connected to the rise in mass media mm-hmm. and making someone like a celebrity of you know like you can like make a jack the ripper you told you sent me an article saying that this idea of murder being somehow sexed up is a victorian Mm -hmm. invention right and what was the name of the book you were telling me about the invention of murder rose and i read it yes yes it's a good book well i'm like i could maybe read yeah it's interesting because it's all about like you know it's about feeding the ego with your murder and being the person who can take someone's life and in a capitalist without rails society that certain people, i.e. men, yeah. can do these things. Yeah, well, right? and then when we get into the whole discussion of why there are only mostly male serial mm-hmm. killers and all these other issues. Um, and I think, so in ancient cases, we can think of cases of murder, yeah. aplenty, and maybe even serial killers, right? We can think of monarchs in most cases who commit um, serial killings, but we don't usually label them no, we don't because they that. have power. Yeah. So. so like, why do you think like Nero or you can think of like all these Roman emperors that would maybe that people classify, oh, he was, you Stalin, know, has, Hitler. you know, Hitler's is a sociopath, a is a, yeah. all these, we can like backtrack and label them with all these psychoses. Um, but why don't we typically not think of them the same late as, you know, maybe John Wayne Gacy or Jeffrey Dahmer today? Well, it's implied then, and this is not my field. But this is implied that the serial killer is trying to manufacture power that he does not otherwise have. Mm-hmm. And that the person who is the autocrat in whatever form is not a killer because it is his- As you say that- It's his that power it's to do. right. Yes. That, or it's okay. He is meeting out justice. Yeah. So- yes. Right, that somehow Nero or something, they it's, it's okay if mm-hmm. they do that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, also want to shout out to the Peopling the Past podcast because mm-hmm. they had a post about um, from Debbie Felton's, she's a professor at classic of classics at UMass Amherst, mm-hmm. and she just wrote a book called Monsters and Monarch um, about this assumption, where she argues 
um, that there's actually plenty of ancient evidence for serial killers, murders, stalkers, and all this stuff. So I haven't read it yet, but it definitely it's on my list. Um, but she did a short little article online talking about it. And one of the quotes that I think that stood out to me that I think you'll really like, because yeah. we've talked about it in the past, was that the human mind, human behavior, and human emotions have remained very much the same across time. So why wouldn't there also have been serial killers and murderers and that's really there's, interesting. There's, they're they're present now, so they had to have been present back and, then too. And you know Rose Campbell's mm-hmm. work at Edfu. Rose Campbell, um, Dr. Rose Campbell, she got her PhD two years ago, three years ago um, at UCLA. And she's a bioarchaeologist slash Egyptologist mm-hmm. now working at the Getty. And the dig that she was working on with Nadine Muller, who's the director of that dig at Edfu, they found, um, what was it, like a... It was a like a grain silo or, or, or grain silo. thrown down into. Two bodies in a grain silo. Mm-hmm. And one of them had the, the wounds mm-hmm. of protecting the body. And Rose had a particular way of referring to that. I don't remember what it was, yeah, but some yeah. sort of, there. it like happens so often. Defensive wounds. Yeah, yeah but that, that a woman defends herself like this or like this and gets wounded Protect here so face. often yeah. that the forensic archaeologist um, or I or they a specialist can, yeah. can identify that wound. Mm-hmm. Um, and both of those women were naked mm-hmm. and their clothing and like would have been found. Too. It was, a do- yeah. but I think it was in a different deposit. Yeah. Like it was like the, the trash deposit. dump. So two naked women, um, young, um, dumped into that grain mm-hmm. silo. It's a really sad story, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's and an then, example right there. And then you, in your head, you can conjure all the different you can. You know, possibilities of how you they can. ended up in such a position and yeah. what happened to them. And, yeah. yeah. So going back to your Atlantic article. Yeah. So this essentially, you know, looks at, you know, are serial killers way more prominent now than they were? And it argues that yes, and that the FBI and other, you know, investigative bodies argue that less than 1% of all killings are serial. But the article argues that it's actually way more and we just don't know. We're bad at tracking these things. And they're using numbers of unsolved murders, et cetera, yes. and how and that- many more there are you know, what's a serial killer, he has to have the same MO and all these other things. And that if they're switching up their MO, you might not link these things together. Um, so then I'm thinking like, you know, in the ancient world, yeah, this had to have been happening too, but they had even less forensic science. So you could way in my head, I'm always just thinking, oh, you could get away with it so much easier. In the ancient world. People would just disappear or so-and-so would be found dead in the river and what, like, yeah, I mean, I have to say probably yes, but what kind of evidence we're going to have for this, I don't really know, except for archaeological evidence, like what you find, like bodies. what Rose finds. Yeah, you yeah. find like the body that has the yeah. arrowhead in it or something, or like Otzi. Yeah. Um, right? He presumably someone shot him with. Uh, but that's not a serial killer. Yes. That's, that's just different. like that's him just getting shot by murdered. someone who's like, why yeah. are you on my land and mm-hmm. go away? And Stole. then he gets shot yeah. and then he dies up in the mountains days later. But like the, and those two women, it might not have been, could have been just serial murder. It could have been yeah. like his mother and his wife or something. And he murders both of them and then mm-hmm. dumps them in there. And no one does anything to him. Or maybe they do mete out punishment, um, but leave those bodies where they are and keep it as, but that doesn't make sense that they were never discovered. It's not an Egyptian thing to leave bodies like that. Just out. Yeah. In a brain um, <laughs> it's it's not an Egyptian thing. They would they would have taken those bodies out and cared for them in some way. To leave them there is unless not that difficult. was like their punishment for yeah. doing something else. Yeah. So that but so again, the Rose Campbell situation is the most mm-hmm. serial killer of them all. Yeah. Um, I don't think she's published this work yet. She's given papers yeah, on it at ASOR. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, we can we can put references up in the show notes, but mm-hmm. I don't think there's a publication as of yet. Yeah. But so, yeah. So, uh, you know, people you murder just, people yeah. out of passion all the yeah. time, but that's not serial killing. Mm-hmm. Serial killing is like, how do I create a power for myself that I don't already have by murdering, I don't know, 14 year old boys or, yeah. and it's usually like a sexual sort of yeah. inadequacy that is, that someone's trying to fix or solve or a misogynist sort of well, that's issue. what I always connected to like the modern world that it's something yeah like lacking in modern society that creates these types of people yeah maybe I mean the other thing about the modern world that you know doesn't happen in Egypt these days mm-hmm. is we don't have time you know yeah in Egypt you can go into the four walls of your space and not be bothered 
but if you're in Egypt today, everyone is your in-law, everyone's in your space, mm-hmm. everyone's always talking to you because there is this understanding that you're not meant to be alone, that no one wants to be alone. Everyone's in your business and that's the way the community thrives yeah. and survives. So if something happens, they're going to know who it was. And I've said this a million times <laughs> that I am safer at three in the morning in Cairo mm-hmm. than I am in any city here in the United States, because here in the United States, everyone's like, I'm running my own business. This is my own thing. And in Egypt, everyone is in your business and it makes everything Eyes safer. On the street. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I mean, serial, mm-hmm. I'm not saying it didn't happen in the ancient world, but I think people are more in people's business in, yeah. um, in the ancient people Egyptian travel space less, too. Perhaps back then too. So, yeah. you know, if people are going missing in your village and serial killing, see, I don't know this serial killing is usually associated with travel. Like you go to another place, kill, and then you go back. To well, your... I mean, not necessarily, but typically they're localized, you know, like golden state killer was like around a certain area when he moved down towards LA it was like it was noticed they, well they didn't catch on to it a while because they thought it was someone else right yeah so it takes time to like put the that it's the same person but I'm you know if you're in a small village and someone five people go missing and die it's going to be something that's noticed very quickly I would imagine but the other thing I, but yeah yeah I mean there's no police that's yes, my other thing was there's like no in criminal investigation no, kind of set up formal criminal investigation is the kind of thing that one family or a coalition of families is going to get together and try to solve against another coalition of mm-hmm. families and people will have to take responsibility here's the other thing about the ancient world that is very very interesting is that people make other groups take responsibility for a murder and don't pin it onto an individual and make the individual only take the responsibility, mm-hmm. which means serial killing is a very modern Western thing in which they're like, oh, they can't pin it on me. They won't get it to me. But if somebody is serial killed in one place and they have an idea that it comes from another community, it's, then that entire community could be on the hook for that or person the family will be blamed. in terms of money yeah. or there might be an in-kind killing of mm-hmm. some kind who knows which but we see more communal guilt and communal yep. which we see like one of the examples later like Paneb, yeah his dad gets involved and at some point is like distances himself from his son because he's getting some you know why is your son doing this this and this yeah and he's like no i will like recuse myself from defending him so yeah you know but it does get pushed back onto the family there's much more communal care in modern day Egypt, and I have to assume from what mm-hmm. I know in ancient Egypt as well, including like in the United States, when you see, and we're in Los Angeles, the home of the homeless, where you see somebody having a mental psychotic breakdown on the street daily, I would oh. say now oh. these days, right? People just and people just it. go along their way and it's no problem. And you just, you're like, oh, psychotic break. Maybe you call 311 or something like that. But nice. in, yeah. in Egypt, from what I have seen, there are communities in Cairo or Luxor where there are the, the schizophrenic people and people know who the schizophrenic people are. They know who their families are. Mm-hmm. And there is a people caretaking, a community yeah. caretaking that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that in the urban expanse of Cairo that people don't get lost and fall through the cracks. They do, but there's, there's more family care. I mean, that, but that also means that you can't be the individual necessarily that you want to be. Yeah. <laughs> you have to, if you're going to get that communal care. You also have to make the exchange and be what the community needs you to be. Mm-hmm. And that means having the family at the time they want you to have it, marrying the person mm-hmm. they want you to marry, um, having the job that they want you to have yeah. all of these things. And you don't get as much free. It's almost like choice. the American individualism yeah. is very closely connected to being able to be a serial killer. I would agree with that 100%. I think that's on point. Right. Um, So serial killing, no, it doesn't seem to be a very ancient Egyptian thing. You can get away with it, probably. I I I feel like you'd get stopped. Someone would, someone someone in your family or your community would get pegged for it. And then if you're doing that, then you have to know you're taking your own people down. Mm -hmm. A lot of serial killers are protective of their own people. Mm-hmm. their own wife, children, yeah, whoever. Yeah, wife doesn't know. Yes. And they have this double identity and yeah. And they, and they know they're getting away with it because they can't individually be pegged for it. But in a different kind of world where their whole community would be responsible, then I think it would be a different mm-hmm. decision-making process about whether or not to do it. So the the professor, uh, Professor Felton, who wrote the, the one book about it, she also argues that, you know, monsters, like monsters and myth and stuff like this might help kind of also explain 
maybe sometimes where like five people go missing and then a myth kind of gets developed yeah. of a monster yeah. Yeah. or something like that oh, and I see. That as a way to explain not that there's a serial killer but that you say oh five people disappeared and found were found dead in the river and you say oh is the monster okay well let's go back to rose campbell's two mm-hmm. women found half in the- naked in the grain silo and you can imagine that the people were like, oh my goodness, these women are gone. Where have they, where have they what disappeared happened? to? Yeah. And that kind of thing would have happened in Egypt pretty regularly because of crocodiles and hippos mm-hmm. yeah, you just said, or you know, drowning by you know? an animal. Yeah. They, maybe they went to go wash the clothes and then that yep. was it. They weren't seen again and something happened. And the Egyptians have a way of dealing with this that they talk about in their afterlife texts mm-hmm. that are that the dead who drown or who are snatched into the river, they go to their mother in a sense. They go into that Yitaru, mm. into that river space. And so they don't have to go through all of the trials and tribulations. It's kind of like a fake out to deal with the fact that well, you've lost like your body. Death was so traumatic, they already went through it. So, but, it. But it's also a way of skipping over all of you those demands. Yeah. You don't need a body, you don't have to have a heart. You just go right, you, you, Here. you just skip to just the end. Right in. <laughs> you skip to the end. And there are depictions of these dead in book of gates book of gates right remy has the dead in the river mm-hmm. and they put the river and then they put the dead bodies all the souls that had who have happened died. so often yeah People must have the floaters yeah <laughs> but that means that the i guess there's your perfect alibi mm-hmm. for any serial killer that was going just to just drop them off in the river yeah. yeah yeah but yeah myths monsters things like this yeah i think are a good explanation as well okay Let's focus on ancient Egypt so we can okay. get a little bit more into the primary sources. Okay. Um, so for ancient Egypt, crime in general, yeah. we have very few records for. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Murders especially, but like just crime in general, maybe some more, I think most of it would be stealing, theft perhaps. Yeah. So why do you think this is? And like wh- and what's then- recorded and why? And so why not crime? Okay. And I'm going to go back to bigger ideas here mm-hmm. for instance we also don't have a law code in ancient Egypt that was one of my other questions right yeah. so there's no you know all these other places like Mesopotamia um other parts of the Mediterranean world there are law codes mm-hmm. if you do this you get this if you do that you get that yep, Bible. and Bible Hammurabi you know for for West Asia and in Egypt there's one law one that mm-hmm. is called a hep law mm-hmm. and um and it's essentially that the one who buries gets the inheritance and it's a new kingdom law and then there's no other heps no hepus anywhere and it's um it's an intriguing thing that in the places that have the law codes you have more competitive societies mm-hmm. more possibility for individual mm-hmm. action outside of the community and less social inequality and so i would argue that in the Egyptian circumstance, the ancient Egyptian circumstance with that much social inequality, um, you, you don't have the, the law codes and you also then wouldn't write down any court proceedings, arrests, if you call them that, unless it pertains to the highest level of the mm-hmm. state. Which is, And if it's not pertaining to the highest level of the state, you just get ad hoc decisions yeah. being made verbally, nobody recording it. Or something. Exactly. And make a decision, as long as both parties are happy. And, and, then, it's, and then it's done. Yeah. So there's so much less competition. There's less need to cover your tracks bureaucratically and to write things down. Yeah. What is bureaucracy? What is it making a record of something? A, so you won't forget it, right? But B, to cover your tracks and cover your ass. Mm -hmm. And if you're not worried about some other competitor coming in and saying, you did that wrong. Now you got, you know, you you did the police thing wrong. Now OJ Simpson, you know, he's innocent, right? So because of those, that that kind of competition and that the civil rights and the equal empowerment of, of different people, even in different social strata, you don't have that and you have a highly patriarchal highly unequal system mm-hmm. then guy says his, his decision and that's it well and so for egypt where do we have evidence coming from we have like treason mm-hmm. case like we have cases involving the state the, needs the to state know where you have those yeah, reported, where they kill the king and Ramses Daryl medina third, stuff yeah. which yeah. arguably is still a very unique kind of they record a bunch of stuff yeah, it's arguably unique. It's also unique in terms of its preservation yep. because you're out in the middle of the desert, you get things preserved you wouldn't have otherwise, mm-hmm. right? So so 
and I should always be tempered because I get super excited. I'm like, oh, it's because it's a highly unequal society, but it's also quite possible, Kara, as I say to myself, that they could have had these tribunals, the Ken Bet, they could have had oracles to determine yeah. things and they could have written things down, but because their villages are next to the river and the river floods its banks, that we don't have any of that could documentation. You argue that perhaps Dermadine is more literate? So they more like I have the option to write things down. So the general argument given by the Egyptologists is Dural Medina, because it's a village of craftsmen used to build and decorate the tombs in the valley, the kings and queens, is populated by artisans. Those artisans were thus also literate. And because they were literate, they produced a higher volume of documentation than another village might. Now, to counter that mm -hmm. is new work um, coming out of Holland in particular that is showing that even the Dural Medina documentation is a limited number of scribal hands. Hmm. That even in that village of educated or like, semi-educated yeah. craftsmen, they're still going to scribe X or scribe Y to have something, to have this exchange where donkey to coffin mm -hmm. with some sandals thrown in recorded, right? Mm -hmm. So that it would mean that in a particular village near the inundation or within the inundation, that if they're recording something, they would also go to a scribe and mm -hmm. record something, but that we wouldn't have it Gone. because Under the inundation the means that it's too wet. It's not going to survive. Or if they're using a material it. that's not stone, if they, they probably put on pot shirts yeah. and then you find a pot without the ink it's written gone. on it. The it pot wet. will be there. Um, but remember, Egyptology doesn't investigate domestic sites well because of the amount of, well, because people live there, mm -hmm. <laughs> because you have to get through a whole lot of wet earth because you have to use pumps. It's just really, really hard to, to investigate domestic spaces. Yeah. Melts. Yeah. So okay. it's a, there's a whole lot of problems there. So we do have some examples. So yeah. I pulled some case studies for us to talk about. All from Dear Medina? Um, not all. Not all. Well, the first, like, I think major case is the Egyptology's bad boy, Paneb. Paneb. Yeah. So I think he's a great case to just talk about Dero Medina. We have some other instances from Dero Medina of like dudes hitting each other in the head and then the guy getting his punishment was to sent to cut a stone. Oh, so there's little instances or of a policeman sentenced to compulsory labor for hitting someone with a stick when he wasn't oh. supposed to. So oh. that's interesting. Some police. And there's that also that late Ramazid letter, which I remember translating of the Medjai someone plotting to kill two Medjai and then it not falling through and yeah, stuff like that. Someone. So there's some, yeah. some, uh, that's Nojmet and Pionk, right? I think he writes to her or she writes to him. I should know this better. I, was, I remember translating like, they know it. too much, these policemen. And, and I think he writes to her and says, those policemen that know that thing that we were talking about that time. Yeah. Very on the Covert. down low. Um, have them killed, put them into baskets and throw, have mm -hmm. them thrown in the river. Yep. <laughs> so something's happening that, that the policemen are not supposed to know. They don't want to pay off the policemen. They need them gone. And so they, they put that down in a letter mm -hmm. and said, get rid of those du two dudes. And is it only two? No, it might it's, be more than two. Yeah, I've plot to kill two in the letter. The one it's P Berlin, uh, 1048, seven and 1048. Okay. So, but. So, but most of our, I think, really good evidence for it is from mentions, multiple mentions of this individual Paneb. Right. So who is he? What's his deal? Yeah, Paneb was a workman in the village of Dural Medina. He was one of the, he was a member of the crew of the guys mm -hmm. who decorated the tombs. And he got up to no good. He did all kinds of, of things. Like the story I like is that they, well, there's a law proceeding against him by his enemies yep. at Dero Medina, yep. listing all of the things that he did. But, um, and this is probably biased against him because it's trying, the dude who's writing the letter is trying to get his job. So he's trying to get Paneb fired. Yes. And he's but, saying, I should have had this job. But it sounds like Paneb is a bad also, dude anyway. Yes, yeah. Um, and that he's, he's, he's just, yeah, he does what he wants when he wants he to. He reminds me just of like a Donald Trump, like I'm a rich boy, like he's like the chief workman. I can get a, I can walk into New York and shoot someone and get away with that type of vibe. Isn't he adopted? Amber, will you look for us? I'm pretty sure. So I know he he's adopted. So he takes his brother's inheritance. He kills the one claim against him is that is he, that kills, he kills, his kills his brother. brother? And then he's the one who takes the job that this dude writing the ostracon was supposed to get right and that he gifted the vizier five stolen slaves to get the job 
as chief workman. Yeah. Okay. So, so adopted by Neferhotep. Yeah, Neferhotep. And, and, but, um, and then yeah. he tries to kill his adopted brother, yeah. also named Neferhotep. He doesn't try to kill his father too? He tries to murder Neferhotep and heard screaming, I will kill you yes. in the night. Right. And then instead he just assaults nine other men that same night. So just like very toxic man. Wow. <laughs> just going around. And, and my favorite story is mm-hmm. what is the one where he's in the tomb of Seti the second. Seti Merimpa, yeah. Yeah. And he's in the tomb of Seti the second sitting on the sarcophagus, just hanging out. Yes. So he's sitting on the, like the enclosure of the God, if you like, just hanging out and not being respectful at all. So he was, he was an interesting guy and but jordan raises a really really interesting point how much of this are we supposed to believe because mm-hmm. the people who are writing this about Paneb are trying to take him down and yet on the other side of it if a whole village is and going along with this multiple instances and if there are multiple instances <laughs> and if he keeps coming up in the documentation mm-hmm. then this was a something's difficult guy something's not. going on something's going so on. a list of his crimes right oh, um he stole stone from Seti Maranpal's tomb to then use this in his own tomb. That's extraordinary. Which is just, I think, hilarious. Yeah. That he, as chief workman, was sending the workman to go to the pharaoh's tomb to take stone and then bring it back and use it in his own, which I just makes me chuckle. He was stealing, like, large tools, large chisels. Yeah. He attempts to murder his brother, Neferhotep, heard screaming in the night, I will kill you in the night, and said, assaults nine other men um and after all of this so and then neferhotep reports this to the vizier that he tries to murder me and he only gets punished with a beating so it kind of shows you the level of justice system that like oh he attempted murder who beats him the medjai beat him the vizier orders it so presumably the vizier orders yeah it goes all the way it goes all the way up to the vizier i should have known that Mm -hmm. um that's extraordinary yeah and nothing and then he just disappears well so then we have some other uh Ostraka that lists other charges. Yeah. And this one relates with just one thing. So it relates about him sleeping with married women. Yes. I and the way part. and yes. the way they they do it is that <laughs> he slept with X woman's name who at the time was with so and so. Yeah. As denoting that they were married or right. together. But what's the word the for the word sleeping is with? neck? Yeah. Which some people translate as, you know, slept with. So they're okay, they were having an affair, a consensual affair. Mm-hmm. Some people translate as debauched yeah. or rape. Yeah. Right. So is it not consensual? And that definitely changes the level of evil we have yeah. going on here. Yeah. So the the word neck is an interesting one. And if your name happens to be Nicholas and you go to Egypt, it's still today, in Air- modern Arabic. Yes, right? yeah. it's still. So don't yell out, hey, Nick, <laughs> um, because you're yelling, hey, fuck, is what you're doing. So the the name Nick is it's a problem in an Arabic speaking country. Uh, but the word neck or an ancient Egyptian neck, neck, yep. they repeat it, right? Um, it has the connotation of sex that is forcefully taken. Yes, not and of like love <laughs> no not like a, a consensual affair yeah. um it's an arguable point but if he's necking women that for, are for married women that are with somebody else then he could be a serial rapist in addition using his power as chief workman to do whatever it is that he wants well and to add further credence that there's another uh document where he or son of chief workman depending on what yeah. happens so, there's yeah. another document of apparently he um to a woman named yemen wow he quote threw her on top of the wall and took took her by force oh i have to look so at it the must Egyptian be neck. for that they, yeah, they use probably neck. they use but threw her on top of the wall and necked her yeah um, so it's horrible not good it's horrible he sounds like a very very bad man but I mean, nothing happens to him but wh- that we know of. Well, what, what kind of a world do we live in today where the president of the United States can grab him by the pussy and nothing happens to mm-hmm. him? And how often, how long did it take to, for Harvey Weinstein to be exposed for you well, know, like, somebody like Gary yeah. Urton at Harvard to be exposed mm-hmm. or other people? So Men in positions of power using, yeah, using yeah. their, yeah. Well, and like, we can talk about this a little later, but like the justice system is very unclear. And how and much kind of is too hoc. much for people put up with him like, okay, okay, okay. And then finally, like, you know what? We're not dealing with this. Presumably you'd want his dad. You'd like, you would go to his father and be like, you need to control your son. But then once this father's 
dead or and then and then he's the powerful one because he's been put into this incredibly powerful position it's um it's it's tricky but yeah no panev is super interesting for understanding how a community deals with somebody who is a bad egg somebody's breaking all the norms Mm -hmm. and is not participating in the community but as as you said earlier it shows you what the norms are right so he's if they're taking the point to write down that he slept with married women then you know sleeping with married women is not okay yeah which tells you you know about some things there's other instances too where he was stealing ox from the ramazeum herd which i think is like hilarious the the other thing that's interesting though is he's doing a lot of this stuff at a time period when we know civil war has descended Mm -hmm. onto so maybe he can get away with more maybe um you have maybe northerners fighting against southerners Mm -hmm. and seti the second maybe the northerner who's fighting against uh, another um amin who's a southern pretender to the throne but he actually built a lot of monuments um and Egyptologists usually call him Amen Messis, Amen Mess, Ameni, but um, it's yeah, it's it's interesting to see yeah. it within that political context as well. Does that have anything to do with it? People have suggested it. I have no idea. Yeah. So yeah, he's always an interesting, interesting character, yeah. and lots of good evidence about him. Moving on to our second case study. Yeah. Assassinations. Oh my goodness! Yes, there aren't that many. There aren't that many. No, but we have some. And and if we're talking about regicide, yes, we have regicide, Teddy exactly. maybe. That's what I have Teddy down. And Ramsey's the third. Definitely. And I looked into Teddy, and I w- was wondering if you have more information because I couldn't find too much. It's just there's Manetho nothing. mentions it. There's Manetho, and then yeah. there's Wenny, and the two. But that's of for Wenny. Peppy. Yes, but he mentions he mentions it as a harem issue. Yeah, and there was a secret. It could charge, have yeah. been in the reign before. Mm-hmm. So that's that's all yes because he rain he works through both reigns yeah. and I, there's a kanawadi article also yeah that he goes into that there was apparently some some official who had teddy's name in his tomb yeah and then it was erased yeah and then Usarkare's name was filled in and then it was erased again and then they put teddy back in so and the argument is that Usarkare led a insurrection against teddy because Usarkare's name is different he's not he has unknown origins perhaps usurped the throne, killed Teddy, and then he is then deposed, and then Pepe comes back in to fulfill his rightful. So it's the last king of the fifth. Yeah. Where's, um, and where's Unis in all of this? Sixth Dynasty is not my jam. Yeah. So um, this is just the Kanawati argument that, okay. Yeah. So it's just that Teddy kind of falls off. Manitho mentions it. That yeah. he was assassinated by Usarkare and the other priests of Ra. So Usarkare being having Ra in his name. Right. These types of things. And then you see, we don't know Usarkare's lineage, not related to Teddy, maybe married. And then like Pepe's too young to reign. And then some of the women take very like elite positions of power. Mm-hmm. So it seems very messy. So perhaps something. It is quite possible that Teddy was murdered in close contact with people whom he should have been able to trust mm-hmm. right so and, and we'll the fact <laughs> that the the tomb of a private dude at abydos yep. named wenny mentions this harem stuff it, it's possible that he was murdered by yep. a wife um please don't blame the woman she's just the one that's in close contact with his body there's always somebody else behind these things so yeah so speaking of Wenny, so what do we have from Wenny's tomb he talks about being the one who he's gets in charge to, of secrets secrets right yeah. so he's in charge of hearing secrets and that there was a issue in the harem yeah as we'll just we'll use harem we can that could be another episode we could talk yeah, about yeah we have to talk about the harem, harem. write that down amber we have to have um, a harem episode that's, where there was that would be great fun an issue about one of the queens uh where it yamtes yeah and there's a charge and that he alone is the one to go deal with it and yep. hear it and um, and yet he inscribes this in stone yes. on his tomb for all to see. Um, and so presumably something there was, whether successful or not, there was a, you know, something was going on that he was in charge of mm-hmm. overseeing and a harem, a harem conspiracy. Something messy happened. Mm-hmm. He can assume that everyone who's an elite knows, who's, knows what it yes. is. He doesn't need to say what vague. it is. It's okay. And he can speak in ambiguities. And that's what we have. That's all we have. So we can't expect anything more. 
the so, other um yeah. i found some people also have argued that the vizier Rawer made an attempt or was somehow involved in this because he suffers of denatio memoriae oh, afterwards okay that's interesting all of his name is erased from even of like non-elite uh non-official royal okay, tombs cool so maybe something's up okay yeah so those are our first like two hints at maybe mm-hmm. uh regicides mm-hmm. something's going on coups going on and then our next one middle um, kingdom i mean i hit the first and um, so what's our sources here to uh, Sinue, yep. a, a literary text, and then the instruction of Amenemhet um, as written, presumably, his... during the reign of his son, Simwasra the first, yeah. the next king. So, so first I want to ask, do you think that there's any import to the fact that we get the tale of this possible regicide from a piece of literature and then didactic text? And like, it's not from like a, a official court Mm-mm. recording or, you know, no log it's from it's from propaganda building yeah. <laughs> and if you weren't trying to build that propaganda and create that narrative you would never have we wouldn't know about this story we would just see that Amenem had the first ruled for a pretty healthy two-decade reign and then it went to his sons and was the first who also ruled for a very lengthy time and that's all we would know but because two pieces of literature one didactic as we mm-hmm. call it like an instruction you should live this way do things that way and then one more of a fairy tale kind of thing the fact that those two pieces were written and became so popular is the only reason that we know about it and it's interesting because here you have the kings letting the cat out of the bag so to speak and or, or not, the genie yeah. out of the bottle is maybe yeah. the better analogy but yeah well, and to me, reading them, I can read an excerpt. Yeah. So um, it's not veiled at all. No, it's very they don't hide it. Like very upfront, which in other yeah. cases, as the wedding example or later yeah. on, yeah. it's much more, you know, referenced metaphorically yeah. or something like this. Yeah. So there, from- there is power being gained in telling this story to, I would argue, shut down yeah. competing factions and maybe justify some crackdowns. Mm-hmm amongst Egyptian society, but yeah, go ahead. So we have a quote, so from the instructions of Amenemhat, it was after supper when night had fallen and I had spent an hour of happiness, whatever that means. I was asleep upon my bed, having become weary and my heart had begun to follow sleep. So he was falling asleep. When weapons of my council were wielded, I had become like a snake of the Acropolis. As I came to, I awoke to fighting and found that it was an attack of the bodyguard. If I had quickly taken weapons in my hand, I would have made the wretches retreat with charge, but there is none mighty in the night, none who can fight alone. No success will come without a helper. So he falls. Look, my injury happened while I, while I was without you, speaking to his son, when the entourage had not yet heard that I would hand over to you when I had not yet sat with you. Okay, so he was by himself. He couldn't mm-hmm. defeat all these attackers um and he well he's not by himself he's with the the bodyguard who should be protecting him they attacked him and in every case that we know of of a regicide it's always the people that should be the safest Mm -hmm. the most vetted if you like they're the ones that that turn that betray and and try to take power not for themselves but on behalf of other people because a bodyguard is not going to get to become king nor is a a wife in the harem with whom he's sleeping because she's probably too young or what you know there's no way so um and then how does Sinue deal with it Sinue is interesting because Sinue talks about being an administrator of the harem and then people have argued that he's maybe involved or he's there when things are happening freaks out to such an extent that he flees Egypt goes off to Syria, goes off to West Asia, like goes into exile. Like it makes yeah. him look certainly very, very guilty. Very suspicious. But he says in the text, oh, I wasn't, I didn't have anything to do with it, but I knew that mm-hmm. when everyone found out what was something... going on, it's going to come to me. Mm-hmm. So he runs away. He was going to be the scapegoat or something. Yeah. And ends up marrying a Syrian girl, mm-hmm. um, going through all kinds of trials and tribulations, has to fight a giant, kind yep. of a David and Goliath sort of story. And um, and then ends up getting invited back by the king, Samwasser the first, yeah, and the queen. And they're like, is, "You want to die in Egypt? Come back!" And so he gets to come back from his exile, and he gets a super tomb, mm-hmm. and it becomes a one percenter, yeah. right? So, but yeah. and I think too, like the description is a little bit more vague here, where it's you know, the king goes aloft to heaven and becomes united with the sun disk. 
Yeah. So it's he died. That's always but it's a little bit. It's like more... saying he passed, but it's not saying that right? he was murdered. Just no, it doesn't, doesn't matter think... what the manner of death is. He's yeah. still going to always go and unite with the sun disc or fly away to yeah. heaven. That's always a given. But then you get the the residence was hushed, hearts mm-hmm. were mourning, mm-hmm. the courtiers crouched, head mm-hmm. on lap, grieving. So, and the sun was off. In... This is from the instruction. No, this is from Sinaway. Oh, it's from Sinaway. And I then Sinwazrit was off fighting the Libyans so it happened when he was the son the crown prince was gone right so um I guess a good time to have a coup yeah an excellent time to have a coup because then there's somebody else that is probably close in age to Mm -hmm. him with as much of a claim who can come in and say kingship's going to come to me now and try to move both of these guys to the side which is what was attempted for our next assassination yeah Ramses the third yeah yeah so what's, um, what's that story? So that story <laughs> we only have from the Turin judicial mm-hmm. papyri, which are, they're the most amazing things. Like the text on that papyrus is like this tall, it's huge. Mm-hmm. And it's obviously, and, and, and the lines long. are these big, long lines. It is yeah. a very long papyrus. Yeah. And it's almost like they, they needed to go and document this so that like 57 people could read it. Beautiful heretic hand. Yeah. And cool. Well, well, so the story is yeah. from what we can piece together is that there was a conspiracy of people within the harem, harem being defined as a collection of young female individuals who are there to sexually service the king and procreate mm-hmm. with him. Yes. And there's administrators, there's older women, there's all kinds of people involved the in, children, this, the, in this conspiracy. The doorkeepers, the, yeah. the butler. <laughs> the guardians, multiple butlers, many, many of them with, with foreign Syrian yes, yeah. or mm-hmm. West Asian names. And um, multiple wives are, are involved. Even the wives of the doorkeepers are mm-hmm. in, um, yep. said to be involved because they're go-betweens. Between... Or they knew about it and didn't tell anyone. Right. Yeah. Um, and, but the text itself is very, very vague about mm-hmm. what actually happened to the king. So, you know, that you don't get like a, an amazing narrative, like you, you have, have with Sinue and, lines. Yeah. yeah, where it's like, oh, I was without you and I fell and mm-hmm. it was horrible. You just know these people are in serious trouble and the one percenters commit suicide or forced to they're, commit suicide. Yeah, they're allowed to commit suicide. And the other people might get impaled. Some or, people are killed. Some people yeah. who aren't as involved had their noses and ears cut off um but the only reason that we know that ramses Mm -hmm. the third was actually well yeah that's my yes is because zahi hawass did an examination of the mummy Mm -hmm. and they unwrapped it and looked at the neck and there is a cut that goes all the way practically the back bone of the body all of it almost a severed head and his toe was chopped off so someone at least two people were attacked someone slit his throat and someone hacked his toe off and the toe didn't show any healing. Yeah. So like it was oh, very close cool. to death. I didn't death. know that about the toe. Yeah. Where, so is some that of in the JAMA thing? Or so no, um, it's in all the like news articles that talk about the article, but I read the actual, the JAMA article and mm-hmm. it's not mentioned. So yeah. so the publication of all of this work by Zahi Hawass is in the Journal of the American Medical mm-hmm. Association. And I think you can find that yeah, online on, and we can yeah. put it in the show notes yeah. too. But also understand that for a lot of this kind of work, you can only find the information from watching the documentary. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know which, is it on Discovery or? It was Discovery Channel. Yeah. yeah. So that's where you'll find more information. They also that. did the DNA of the unknown man E. To and, say that he was Ramsey's somehow involved. Well, everyone thinks it was, you know, how he looks like scared and he was wrapped in a uh, uh, sheepskin. So they think it's pentaware. And he is based off the DNA from the study. That's what they His say? Son. Really? Truly? They genetically according to the documentary and also in the JAMA based off Ramsey's DNA and unknown E, they are they could be father son but like the genetics are so close they could also be probably like uncle nephew and why would you keep the guy well he's ends up in the dd320 why would you put the man <laughs> in a goat murdered skin? the king <laughs> in the royal tomb I don't understand any of it but it everyone just oh it's sense. a goat skin so he was damned but how do we know he was foreign? He could have been in a goat. Sk- I just, yeah, I don't buy it. It's too but, convenient. Don't buy any of it. Um, so yeah, so where, so we're just tracking back a little for more the details about the story. So when did this happen? So it happens, beautiful feast of the valley. Ram Ramsey's in Thebes. It says he's in a high place yes, in the which text. People construct to be the high gate of Medinat Habu yeah. Temple. That he's up there in this space. That's a harem space mm-hmm. that's depicted with 
all of these scenes of Ramses III hanging out with his ladies, all naked and playing chess together and hanging out. He's touching and fondling all of these girls. And the suggestion is in that space, it, he was actually hanging out with his women in that space. And that's where he this happened. Take a nap or something and I sleep. No, I have no idea. Someone opened the door, let him in. Um, but, but they obviously cut his throat, which is something that takes close access, mm -hmm. intimate access and connection to a body that is unprotected. Yeah. Ideally naked. So a harem is a brilliant place to pull that kind of thing off. Yeah. Um, I think too, as you mentioned, there's kind of more, you know, obtuse references to his death and it's unclear if he was dead. He, the papyrus starts with Ramses III commissioning the tribunal to, so it seems like he was alive, Yeah. but some people argued like, oh, they're just saying that it's not that he actually is alive. It's Ramses IV doing right. the tribunal. Right unclear when he actually died i mean with the cut to his throat that there's been no fast. way the man yeah could still that would have been have been alive 30 seconds um the the other interesting thing about this papyrus and the whole thing is where the murder happens it mm -hmm. happens in thebes and who is being murdered it's ramses the third who is a from a northern family and the thebans arguably have been in power for hundreds of years in Egypt and they're just sick of this. They have the 19th dynasty to deal with that Northern family. Now they've got the 20th dynasty to deal with Setnok's family and Ramses III obviously being Setnok's son. So there, there could be some North-South um, disagreements and this disagreement is finding its end yeah. result in regicide itself. Well, and like one of the main conspirators is supposed to have been kind of trying to insurrect the whole city not just they're trying to have the coup, but they're also trying to get everyone like in yeah. Medina yeah. to strike yeah. and incite this whole thing. So it's not just that they assassinated the king, but they were also trying to, to, like, to create a power revolution of yeah. some sort. Yeah. And whoever the, you, you don't kill the king without having some sort of a plan to a strategy to so put your guy on So the, the main throne. person who yeah. gets always blamed for this is the one queen, T. Yeah. And that it's the idea is that she created this. Yeah conspiracy or this rebellion to put her son yeah on the throne and i've just written an article about this that's going to be in an edited volume that i did with um danny candelora and nadia ben marzouk and it's arguing that while we blame the women for these things mm -hmm. the women are the ones who have the access to the naked body <laughs> and they're in the palatial environment and so they're the ones that are that are close to yeah. all of this this um accessibility but they're not the ones who are going to benefit from the power move. And so we as Westerners, outsiders, colonialists, whatever you want to say, are judging the situation from the outside and saying, oh, look at this woman is trying to get her son on the throne and she actually has this motive. We don't know what, what the, the situation was. was. We don't know yeah. how it's much just, she was being co-opted yeah. or controlled to do these things. It's it's not clear. Yeah, just all. the papyrus says for pentaware. Yeah, the son. Yeah, says he was brought in because he had been in collusion with Tia, his mother, mm -hmm. when she had plotted the matters with the women of the harem. So yeah. it seems like it was not just her idea; it was yeah. a group concerning making rebellion against the Lord. And the other thing that I that I point out in this article is that the women of the harem, each and every one of them, is connected to a different family. Mm -hmm. And if this is a Theban harem, then they're connected to different Upper Egyptian families and so there is a, a political aspect to this where you you have all of these different upper egyptians trying to take their power back potentially well, from from northerners thinking even bigger like the context of ramses iii's reign what was going on in egypt and people you know we have the strike happening at dero medina right, right? so it's right. like people are clearly unhappy things weren't going great there was invasions by sea peoples yeah you have Libyan so raids it is and a other good things time to possibly have someone. The economy is not going well. Grain prices are exploding. Yep. There's probably famines. It's not a good time to be king because you're going to be blamed for all of these bad things that are happening. And Ramses III himself, like looking at his situation, that would be such a good biopic. Mm -hmm. I mean, seriously, you guys, be the best because his father is Setna, who comes in well, yeah. and that's a whole moves <laughs> the female king Tawasret from the throne takes Egypt back for this Delta dynasty and and 
and then Ramses III gets invaded by all these sea people Libyan coalitions and he defeats them. Mm -hmm. He's the warlord's son who is able to make good and protect Egypt. And yet politically, he has no idea. He, he's, he doesn't know what he's doing. And in the end, mm -hmm. he ends up getting murdered yep. because he's not, he's not politically able to win hearts and minds yep. in Upper Egypt. Um, he's, a, he's a good soldier. He's a good general, but he's not necessarily the politician that Egypt needs at this time Thebans wanted yeah. yeah yeah one of the a couple I was reading through a couple articles about you know the various sources we have for this and a couple of them were arguing I think it was the Goitaka article and some other ones also argued that both P. Harris yeah one and the judicial provider from Turin aren't actually government documents but that they were because they were found um you know in western Thebes and that they they argue that they were for Ramses when he died to help precede him to the afterlife to like explain things, which I was just like only Hans Gerda could. Come I know. Up well, yeah, like but because <laughs> um, I was like, why would you need no. to write down the accused and like the judicial papyrus like accused so and so, yeah. accused of high treason, convicted, death, and it's just a list of yeah. 30 people. But the and judicial papyrus, papyri, papyrus, yeah, because there's some it's a set of different papyri yeah. is a confusing thing because it's written for display. It's written as a presentation piece. Mm -hmm. And you're wondering who is it presented to? Well, and Ramses why the fourth presumably is. He's asking, to... he's sending scribes down and, and King's butlers down. He's sending his men down to, to do an investigation and to make things clear who has the power. Mm -hmm. And, but, but how this, process was used how public it was who was meant to see it um it's not clear and like how their all. deaths were preceded presumed mm -hmm. you know you'd maybe want to have them be very public to scare people off from trying to do something similar in the future but yeah the, um, and the other cool thing about that papyrus is that th there was witchcraft involved and they're accused yeah. of using witchcraft magic. or a sorcery occult sorts of yeah. um magic and also that the tribunalists that were sent down to make the judgments apparently were um, co-opted by the women of the harem who were flirting with them and maybe giving sexual favors so that they were compromised as I well. I didn't know that. That's and great. that, that yeah. part's pretty amazing. So that's written into this text <sighs> as well. And it's just, it's a shit show. It's just a mess. And Ramses IV, like the I, is the son of a murdered king and has to then create, this is, I would argue, the beginning of Ramses IV trying to manufacture the propaganda to prop up his kingship. And he probably would have done a better job if he wasn't being invaded by sea peoples, Libyan raids, economic yes, downturn, yep. and all of the things that come with the Bronze Age collapse. So if that hadn't happened, then maybe we would be able to speak about Ramses IV's propagandistic manufacture a little bit more um, positivistically, but as it is now, it just, it didn't work. Yeah. He's not as long lived as he would like. And that's, yeah, kind it doesn't of the, build with the beginning of the end. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's after Ramses III is killed, you yeah. see all, for Ramses III, you see extraordinary material production in Thebes. You've mm -hmm. got a whole temple in Karnak. You've got Medinat Habu, which is still standing and beautiful today. And his tomb is, is mm -hmm. really, really nice. And so there's lots of production in the Theban region not to mention Upper Egypt as a whole, after he's murdered and you move on to Ramses IV, they don't build shit. Yeah. It's, They're like, you guys are on your own. We're, we're not giving you any jobs. No more jobs for North, you. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Any other assassinations you think of possibly? Um, There's for, that one story of Osor Khan as Osor Khan III, like oh fighting God, off people, but oh that's God. like a whole just oh messy God. When you everything. get into third intermediate <laughs> period, it's a disaster. Yeah. Um, and like he fought yeah. them off himself and then like burned their bodies or something. And I'm not even going to try. I'm sure right. there's more regicides and there's really, um, interesting work by Walter Scheidel on this point who talks about, he compares places that are more competitive where you have things mm -hmm. written down about a murder of a King and then places that are less, um, socially equal, more in, unequal as a society, less competitive. And where you wouldn't ever write down the regicide because 
the person who's holding the bloody knife in one place gets to be king. The person who's holding the bloody knife in another place gets um, to commit suicide. Yeah. So it depends on what, how you benefit from it. So there were probably more regicides in ancient Egypt. We just don't have yeah, evidence for them and nobody wrote yeah, them down. Just and people just, all of a sudden the, the king is dead. Oh, I wonder how he died. Oh, we don't know. Yeah. More the new king has yeah. different background. Yeah. And, oh, probably happened all the time. Yeah. Not all the time, but, but you know. more than these, what, like four case studies we talked about. But never forget that divine kingship exists in Egypt for a reason, because you have long-lived kings, mm-hmm. pretty well protected, a community that likes the status quo and is interested in keeping that king on the throne, and dynasties that last a hell of a lot longer than any other part of the Mediterranean, oh. North African, or West Asian yeah. world. So it, it makes sense. It worked. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever yeah. they were doing. Yeah. Um, quickly touch upon justice, which I know is a really yeah. touch subject, um, yeah. tough subject about, cause we don't, again, as you said earlier, we don't really have a law code. Yeah. Things seem a little bit ad hoc. Um, a but little we, ad hoc, a lot ad hoc. Um, but we do have evidence of like courts. Yeah. Right. Like Ken bets and stuff like these functioning or, yeah. or like from the Dio Medina evidence, they get always taken to the riverbank to the place of examining as something something's going on there yeah i mean it's this is such a hard topic because while you have dural medina it is a unique place it is a village out in the middle of the desert and it's a a a government sanctioned village uh government supported so they have police Mm -hmm. to keep them safe but also to keep them from doing anything to the tomb so there's a protection element built in so it's it's hard to use dural medina for punishment but at Dero Medina one of the oaths would you know the oath that they mm -hmm. always say at Dero Medina they say this is true if it's not true may my nose and ears be cut off and may I be sent to Nubia Mm -hmm. so that means that one of the punishments that people get in the Egyptian world probably with the flick of a wrist of some tribunal somewhere and that wouldn't show on your body after death well you're just sent to the you said sent to the stone mines or sent to the quarries but imagine being marked like that first nose cut off ears cut off and then you're sent to the to Nubia to mine gold or work mm-hmm. in the quarries, your body's gone. We're not gonna yeah, find any evidence of that. And somebody's nose or ears being cut off, you wouldn't find no, that in yeah, yeah. I suppose you might, you know, Rose Campbell or somebody who's depending a, like could maybe they, see yeah. a cut mark or a cut mark here on the cartilage. I have no idea. But, but yeah. so I, I think a good example is the tomb robbery papyrus. Yes. Where we do know what happened to those people. Yes. Because again, sort of because again, sort it's of. against the crown. But tomb robbery papyri, it's a, it's a good thing to bring up because you, you send down, first of all, the people making the decisions don't trust each other mm-hmm. from the tomb robbery papyri, it seems. So you have the vizier sending down his scribe and he's there. And then the king is sending down his scribe and his butlers. So he's got a little entourage. And then the Dira Medina guys have their mm-hmm. own entourage. And then the mayors of Thebes have their own little entourage and they're there. Everyone's agendas are competing with one another. Mm-hmm. But what they do is they make inspections. So they go and say, somebody says, oh, this tomb was ransacked. And they're like, well, we will go and inspect it. Yeah. And they, they, go Go to the place they look at it they find the people who are involved who are being um said to have done something and they interrogate them and they interrogate them through torture Mm -hmm. so the torture is clear they say it very openly so they they beat them they hit them they they use other methods to get them to to turn on each other yeah to turn on each yeah they make them name Mm -hmm. names um kind of like putting them alone in the in the room you tell us maybe something has bad happened to you i have no idea if they did sleep deprivation or anything like that but it does seem like they throw people into prison like places and then get them to turn on their um family members or other people who might have been involved Mm -hmm. And then they do another inspection, maybe with the guy they've just tortured with them. Show us this this place, which means that they know that their tortured interrogation is not necessarily going to be precise or even useful. So then even after they get information, they go to the place and it is listed in the tomb robbery papyri that one man who gave information under torture, they bring him to the place. And then the thing that he said he had done, they find no evidence of it having been opened or anything having, or he couldn't find, I think it's that he couldn't find the place. Yeah that he that he said under torture that he had violated so and then what's the you know some of these people are just beaten 
some of yeah some, some of them and then let go some of them it seems worse happens to them yeah, and there are yeah. there's little bits of information that death might have been the the punishment meted out and that death may have happened through impalement which yeah. is well what is that you, you know stick a big pointy stick up their <laughs> not up their butt no well, like up there they put it here right at the here. ribs they put it at the ribs <sighs> And they balance it probably like at the soft tissue here, but like at sternum. the ribs so that you get the internal bleeding and you're there like laying on it. And it takes a long time to die. You could be laying this way and you put it in the ribs in the back, but, um, but it's, it's way. yeah, it's just a really horrible, long, slow death. And it's a public thing. Yeah. So it is possible they killed people in that way. Um, but yeah. The, the other interesting thing about crime and punishment and decision-making mm -hmm. is that old middle new kingdom, it seems to be like tribunals and maybe like a mayor or a governor, some sort of prince who gets local, to make decisions, a local yeah. potentate who says you will have this and then it's just yeah. done, right? As you move in, into the Bronze Age collapse time period mm -hmm. and you go from 19th dynasty to 20th dynasty, Instead of having that kind of a system of justice, the Egyptians seem to move towards oracles, which is really cool. interesting. Mm -hmm. And an oracle is the statue of a divinity that is put into a little carrying chair, little carrying thing, and they, they carry the priests mm -hmm. carry it around. And somebody goes and asks up the, to the priest and says, Oh, yeah, like, we, you know, somebody stole I, my goat. Yeah, someone stole my goat and like he did it right. And then. Yeah. And then the, the priest holding the oracle, like move in a certain way. If it's a yes or no question, they can move in one direction yeah. or another. Or if there, there's, we don't exactly know how the oracle works because yeah. they're not going to tell us because it's supposed to be the God itself. And yet the oracle is making the decisions that a tribunal used to make ad so hoc. The priesthood then gets this power. The priesthood gets the power. It's also something that's not happening behind smoky closed doors Everyone one would argue you can see you don't have to be in the room where it happened like mm -hmm. where the ken bet was like this exclusive club of the in guys now it's happening in a public space and everyone gets to be a part of that tribunal mm -hmm. decision to witness it to see its fairness and i think it's it's from a level of distrust that the egyptian society is just like we don't trust our patrons anymore. Mm -hmm. We don't. We don't trust their agendas. We don't believe that they're they're doing what is the correct and right and procedure. Wonder, and so they're like, let the god decide. That seems to be yeah. the decision. And I wonder, like, what influence the you know the crowd yeah. has on the decision. Like exactly. If, oh, the crowd, the people are saying yes. Yeah. Then the god will concur with them. And because it's ha if it's happening see. during a festival day, which we think a lot of oracles mm -hmm. were, there would have been a big crowd gathered and the priests would have known which way they were turning was going to bring the consents, the crowd's favor to savor exactly. towards something. And you want exactly. to make everyone or the majority of people happy. And so. it, it makes me wonder though, we really only have good evidence for oracles at the end of the new kingdom, latter part of the new kingdom, if they existed earlier, because mm -hmm. a breakdown of government of trusting government. This is not something that's new. Egypt goes through all kinds of ups and downs through its time period. It would be interesting to see if there it's was evidence for anything yeah. like that at the end of the sixth dynasty, at the end of the, you know, during the 13th dynasty. Mm -hmm. Hell, like, the way kingship like works during level. the 13th is almost Oracle-like. <laughs> well, they just switch it around, yeah. it seems. Like, you get you a get kingship. to be king and yeah. you get to be king. <laughs> you get two months, you get four months. It's oh. mm. great. Any other final thoughts on ancient Egypt true crime? Um, you know, it's it's not something that's open for us to see. It's something that they keep pretty close to the vest, pretty private. Mm -hmm. Don't write it down. Don't talk about it very openly. You don't even see kings being like compared to, you know, like Roman emperors mm -hmm. described as like, you know, like megalomaniacs murdering. No, it's very like, you know. You just don't talk about you don't talk king. about these things and there's no need for the king to be a megalomaniacal Watering, autocrat he's yeah. already an autocrat he doesn't need to yeah. he doesn't need to go there um 
in with Roman emperors, don't forget a lot of those stories that are told yes, about Roman yes. emperors are told by people yes. who think they should be emperor or want to take down the emperor. The yes. amount of competition in that system is insane. Mm -hmm. And the amount of regicides, whether they call themselves kings or not, in that system yes. is off the hook. Yeah. Just Google for me murder of or, or Google cause of death of Roman emperors and you will go down a rabbit hole that is quite comfy and warm and you will stay in that rabbit hole for way too long. Well, I think I think the better is like how many actually died a natural death and it's a very yeah. low number. No, the majority do not die yeah. a natural death. And, what, and only one was able to retire. Yeah. So it's ridiculous. Why do you want to be emperor? It's horrible. Yep. No, it's or but, even related. It's so, kill you then too. Yeah. So it's it's not that all of you know that people aren't the same wherever you are. We have the same DNA. We're the same human beings. But when but the the impetus for a crime or what you might get out of something could be much higher in a more competitive society versus than in Egypt, mm -hmm. where you might get less for taking these kinds of risks and you might get way more punishment. Yeah. And if there's no documentation it. of it, to me, that proves that there's very little recourse for people in claiming that something was done mm -hmm. inappropriately and, and, and pushing back against that system. And yeah. one last thing, mm -hmm. you know, the eloquent peasant, the story mm -hmm. of the eloquent yeah, I was going to bring him up, but yeah. Um, there's this middle kingdom story where this eloquent peasant is unjustly accused of stealing from a wealthy man uh, yeah. who brings him to court after court after court and essentially makes the peasant dance with his words. And that's why it's called the eloquent peasant. And they speak very well. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes all the way to the king. And then finally, you know, and the he peasant's about off. to kill himself. Yeah. He's like, I can't handle this anymore. My poor family and everything, you know, I've been in jail for all this time. This is horrible, horrible. And then he finally gets to the king and the king gets to hear his beautiful speech. And they're like, oh, we, we you're, we're going to let you go. Yeah. We were going to let you go the whole time. Just to hear you talk. We just wanted to hear you talk. And that right there is ancient Egyptian justice <laughs> in a nutshell. Got to know the right people. Yeah. Patronage. So, I'm, and I'm not saying that the, the Romans, the Greeks are better the better system. It's a highly competitive system in which more is visible, but you have to wade through it. And this one is less visible, but less competitive. And you could argue that less bad shit goes down because people benefit less from it. Yeah. So it's, it's the... just different systems. It's just different ways of being a human. Mm -hmm. um, so very yeah. interesting. Well, thank you for listening to our spooky episode part one and part two on uh both ghosts and hauntings and true crime ancient egypt style murder and killing murder and killings all that good stuff thank you to our listeners for your support and for subscribing wherever you listen if you enjoyed the show please leave a five-star review and help raise our profile and let others know about it Send your questions related to the show and topic suggestions for future episodes to karakuni at gmail.com. You can find the video version of the show on my YouTube page and full show notes will be posted in the podcast section of my website, karakuni.squarespace.com. For that, thank you, Amber Myers-Wells. There you'll also find info on my books, upcoming lectures, and you can subscribe to my newsletter. You can find me on Facebook at Karakuni Egyptologist and on Twitter and Instagram at Karakuni. See you next time on Afterlives with Kara Cooney.